So today we're going to finish and wrap up a series um, called Artificial Intelligence. And I have done what everyone does in life. When life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. Well, in church, when life gives you lemons, you make a four-point talk. Because <laughs> it's just the easiest thing in the world to do. What isn't the easiest thing in the world to do is when you have an amazing amount of lack of sleep and you realize for the first time in history, as you've gone to turn to open your Bible, it's not there. That is awkward. First up, we're going to be looking at Isaiah 47 verse 10. Isaiah 47 verse 10. Isaiah 47 verse 10. You felt secure in your wickedness. You said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge led you astray. And you said in your heart, I am, and there is no one besides me. So that's Isaiah 47 verse 10. So we're doing artificial intelligence. So to finish the series, what I want to look at is not so much the technology, but I want to look at those two words. I want to look at artificial, which can be changed and used or described as um, fake. So I want to talk about fake intelligence or fake wisdom. And so I want to talk about four different fake wisdoms or fake intelligence that seems to be a part of our everyday lives or things that sneak into us and how we live our lives and how we do life that are so, so dangerous and that if we get these kind of straightened out, we can live lives that are so much more fruitful and so much more amazing. So, you felt secure in your wickedness and you said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge led you astray and you said in your heart, I am and there is no one besides me. So this is all about living a life that is selfish, that lives around and evolves around you. Something which I'm finding becomes far more difficult when you have kids. <laughs> First of all, I think you're really selfish. You get married, you realize, wow, I was really selfish. And then it gets to the point of having kids and you thought you weren't selfish anymore and then you realize, oh my gosh, I'm still really selfish. And then I think after, well, you guys, man, you, you know, you know, the struggle is real. It's like find that time to, to live your dreams and, and do what you want to do. You realize that actually it's not all about me. I need to create new space for these new people that have their own desires and their own plans, their own things they want to do. And um, that's really important. But this person in this passage, what he's talking about is, you felt secure in your wickedness. Like you felt comfortable there. Like you're not even like, this stuff about me that I'm doing that is so selfish and detrimental to those around me is, I'm cool with it. I'm totally okay with it. So say if this was a mum or a dad, it's like, I'm doing my thing, screw my kids. Don't even care about what they, are, what they need or what their needs are, I'm doing me. And that's reckless, and they're comfortable in that. That's pretty sick and twisted. Now, when we're single, it's a lot more. It's a lot more easy for us to be in this place where we just live doing what we want to do, forget how it affects anyone around us. And there comes this moment when you enter into a relationship, and that 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 system that you perpetuate comes to the forefront, and you're like, oh wow, this is an issue. This wasn't an issue before when I'm on my own. This is an issue now. How do I deal with this? So this person is saying. You felt secure in your wickedness. You said, no one sees me. No one sees. It's, it's, it's here. I can live this life where I can smile at everyone. I can be this. I can be that. No one knows about it. It's completely there. Your wisdom and your knowledge led you astray. Your wisdom and knowledge said that this is a, a situation to be comfortable in and that it's okay to be comfortable in this situation. I am and there is no one besides me. I remember years ago, my friend telling me about his little boy when he was two years of age and his son came sneaking down the stairs, step by step, and his boy was about two. My friend was up early in the morning, having like his quiet time away from the family and kind of reading his Bible and stuff, and this kid comes crawling down the stairs. 
and he stops what he's doing and he just sits and watches at the sofa. And his little boy walks down the stairs, comes around the corner and he's tiptoeing like he's a ninja. And as he's in ninja mode, he starts to make his way into the lounge. And as he gets into the lounge, he tiptoes along and then he looks and he sees that his dad is sitting on the sofa. And he looks at his dad and he ninja stealthily tiptoes past his dad, crouches down at the other corner of the settee, reaches behind, pulls out the Pringles packet that was there from last night, looks at his dad and says, don't see me. And then sits there and starts to eat one Pringle at a time, looking directly at his dad, waiting for that judgment that says, thou shalt not eat Pringles first thing in the morning, have your breakfast. And so my friend was telling me this, and he was just in hysterics. He was like, I can't believe he just said to me, don't see me. It was just such a cool thing. The same kid had a moment with me where I was chatting to his dad one day at a place I worked. I used to work running an after school club. And I'll never forget, I was chatting to his dad. I had this piece of cake, I put it down, and his son came running up, grabbed the cake, ran back inside the room, and then came running back out to me and said to me, I've hid your cake in the cupboard so you won't find it. And I was just like, great strategy. Know totally where that is. But that is so true of us. On one level, you and I look at that story and we're like, don't see me, that's ridiculous. Of course he's gonna see you. On another level, you and I hear a kid saying, I'm hiding it in the cupboard so you won't find it. And we're like, that's really not very intelligent. Like, I totally know where it is. I'm gonna grab that straight away. But actually, you know what's really funny? And what's really crazy and what's really foolish is on the same level, you and I do this all the time. Where we live a lifestyle and we do things which we know we know and we believe in our minds that God sees us and he knows what we're doing and he knows these things are unhealthy and he know, we know that he sees them part of our lives. We know that he thinks we shouldn't have that in our life, but we perpetuate it and we keep it going and we act like a small child sneaking down the stairs going to God, don't see me. Don't challenge me on this. I'm totally comfortable sitting on the corner eating the Pringles I'm not supposed to have right now. I'm totally comfortable hiding this here so that you'll never see it and you'll never find it. But so often in our lives, we hide areas of our lives away from everyone else so they won't see it, so they won't find it, so they won't know who that we are. But the whole time, he sees it. And this person is in this place where I am, and it uses that phrase, which is like symbolic to this people and their tradition of who God is. With Moses, he said, I am who I am, when, that, when Moses asked who God is. And so this person says, I am, and there is no one besides me. This person has placed themselves as God in their lives and that is why they are totally comfortable and secure in leaving part of their lives hidden. So the first piece of artificial intelligence which we totally need to avoid in our lives and can live a much better lifestyle is if we remove the notion of don't see me. If we remove the notion of no one sees me, I am but we come to a place of transparency, maybe not with everyone we meet, but with God. And the great thing about this story, and the thing I love about God, is that I know God sees everything I do. So there are things in my life that I would never want to just come here on a Sunday morning and say, oh my gosh, I've been going through and just vomit on everyone here, everything that, that I've done in my life. There are things that are just so awkward to say. There are things that are so hurtful to say. And there are things that, and conversations you need to have with people that you're like, how do I even bring this up in a conversation? How do I tell someone 
this is going on in my life. This is killing me inside. But how do I even have a conversation? They'll see me differently. They'll treat me differently. The fantastic thing about God and removing this first piece of artificial intelligence, this first lie, this first deception, is we remove it out of the way because he's seen everything already. So it's totally easy to come to him and talk to him about the darkest and the deepest pains in our lives because he already knows. He already sees. And so we can just come to him easily. And so often we feel like, I want to keep this hidden, so I don't want to talk about it. The great thing about God is we can come to him straight away. The second piece of artificial intelligence is in Ezekiel 28 and verse 17. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. By the multitude of your iniquities and the unrighteousness of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries. So your safe places that were sanctuaries for you, a safe place for you to be, you profaned them. And you profaned them with what? What is the danger here? Beauty and splendor. I think today in the social media age, I think we live in a really dangerous kind of position. Um, all of us see the YouTube videos getting shared on Facebook of the girl who has the photos taken, like in a bathing suit, and she's totally normal. And like, so we've seen so many people in bathing suits that look like her, bog standard. And then 30 seconds into the video, all the retouchings happened. And now this person looks like this figure, which is totally not normal. That none of us feel like, well, I definitely can't attain to it because I'm not a woman. It would take a lot of effort for me to attain that figure, I'm telling you. But we see that, and it's the same for guys. Like, even men's health, there's all these like, ridiculously shredded guys. And those guys are actually shredded anyway, but they're actually not as shredded as the cover most of the time. Like, even with the men's mags now, they do all this touching up, all this perfecting, and with the women's magazines. And we live in an age where because of our own splendor and our own desire to look in this perfect way, we've put aside wisdom for the sake of it. And I think what's sad about our culture more than any other is because of our own splendor, we've become obsessed with like selfies, with our own beauty, to ridiculous levels, but to the detriment of our own lives. That so often we live lives seriously unhappy about our own image, about the way we see ourselves, and it's because of this exact thing. And so the two dangers I want to talk about today are, on the one hand, don't see me. And on an artificial intelligence level, we may feel like what we do in secret is in secret and who we are is in secret, but actually there is one company on this earth, there used to be a different company that knew everything about us and they were the banks. How we spent our money would tell people who we are and what we do. But actually now, there, is, there are companies on this earth that know more about you than you know about yourself. And the number one way that happens is Google. Google knows everything about you, everything you've ever searched. It creates this whole history of you. It's how it's able to give you the perfect search engines for you because it has all this data and whatever you search for, it goes, oh, they most likely want this, bang. And it does this thing which they call serendipity, which is their main goal, showing you something that you didn't even know you wanted to see, but they presented it there because they have this history on you. 
they know everything about us. And on the second hand, the other big danger in technology at the moment is, is beauty, is our own splendor. And it's our own splendor to the detriment of our own wisdom. And that is something we can't afford to sacrifice. We can't afford to sacrifice our values for the sake of vanity. So that's the second. The third one we have is in Exodus 1 and verse 10. And this is probably my second favorite of the two. Exodus 1 verse 10. Only because this is pretty much one of my favorite narratives and stories in the whole of the scriptures. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us from, um, and escape from the land. The context of this is it's in Exodus. So we are talking about the narrative of the children of Israel who lived there because of Joseph. There was a famine in the land. The people were dying. They moved to Egypt uh, because of Joseph. Joseph was there through a long, long story and a long line of events. He provided a strategy which would save nations from starvation and death. They've lived there now for 400 years. People have forgotten, and the Pharaoh and the kings and the leaders have forgotten who Joseph was. They've forgotten about how this people had saved their nation, the nations around them. And they've come to this place where not even just Pharaoh is forgotten, but the word on the street is, come let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. They're like, we totally need to keep people enslaved. They're building up our economy. They're building up our greatness. So... Um, we can't afford to lose these people. Let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and they will fight against us. This is another lie which actually is probably destroying our society and the Western world more than any other lie at the moment. This lie is this. Let us deal shrewdly with other people, lest they get ahead of us. This is keeping up with the Joneses way back when. The lie that I need to trample over others and hold others down for me to get forward. That I need to stifle someone else's creativity that mine can flourish. I need to position myself that my talent is seen and theirs isn't. I need to trample over that person at work so that I can get ahead and that they can't. I need to have more and more of the money that there is available in the world so that I have and that they can't take anything away from me. And this system perpetuates and perpetuates and it grows to a scale where if you believe this lie at a small level, if you ever get power and influence, what you will do with this lie will be so destructive to so many lives. So if we take this on a small level, I see myself as being someone that matters. And I'm willing to trample over Marvin. I'm, I'm willing to put my agenda before Cornelia. I'm, I'm willing to look at, at you guys and your kids and think more about me, that I'm more important than you, that my needs need to be met and not yours. And as soon as you go to just that first base of life and seeing that worldview, it is, it is absolutely killer. And what happens is you and I can look at the world, we can look at the super rich and the way they use their power, the way they use their influence, which creates poverty, death, starvation, disease, all these types of things. And we can look at them and we can point the finger at them and say, that's wrong, that's corrupt. But ultimately, they will have started off from a position like you and I, 
where we start to position ourselves in a way that says, I matter more than this person. And as soon as we start to see ourselves that way and see other people that way, we head on a trajectory and a path that leads us to what's happening in America right now, where we have to have a hashtag that says Black Lives Matter. Why do we need a hashtag that says Black Lives Matter? That's ridiculous. It's the dumbest hashtag of all time because it shouldn't need to exist. It should never need to exist. But as soon as you go, come let us and our tribe and our people group deal shrewdly with them, least they become more than us later and they leave our influence and they leave our position where we can control them. This verse here is thousands of years old and it still applies today. And we still see it. We see it in a pool party in America where grown men stand by watching police officers manhandle kids that don't have any weapons, aren't causing any trouble, have just been a little bit fun. That It should be someone's mum yelling at them, you're making too much noise, keep it down. They shouldn't have police officers handcuffing everyone on the side of the road. They shouldn't have all this kind of stuff. But as soon as you believe, come let us deal truly with them, that we can get how we want and where we want to go, that's what happens. But it's easy for you and I to watch something on Twitter because there's a disconnect or watch something on Facebook or watch a new story develop and go, how can that happen? Yet you and I may believe the same lie on a smaller scale with someone else that we know. And so the third artificial piece of intelligence that we have to totally avoid is the idea of us and them. We need to become to a place which kingdom talks about where all are equal, where all are created in God's image where there's this kingdom of God mentality, where we even love our enemies, we do good to those who, who, who mistreat us. That is the solution of breaking the cycle. But while we believe this life, we're gonna perpetuate the system rather than solve it. And the last and the final point is found in the summary of a book called Ecclesiastes by a guy called Solomon. Solomon was probably the wisest king Israel ever had yet he used this word 38 times in his book Ecclesiastes looking at wisdom and he keeps on using it again and again and in our English Bibles it translates as vanity but actually what it translates as in their language is more like vapor or mere breath so what he says is he talks about all the different things he talks about beauty he talks about power he talks about wealth he talks about building enterprise, he talks about empire, he talks about all these different types of things throughout the whole of the book. And each time as he talks about them, he talks about the pros, he talks about the cons, and then he ends with the same thing for every single different area of life. He says this, he says, but at the end of the day, he says, it's just vapor. It's just vapor. It's like this mist that's in the air for a moment but disappears. Or if you want to take it a different way, he says this, he says, it's just mere breath that is fleeting and fading away. So in his wisdom, if we take it that last meaning, what he's saying is, in the beginning in Genesis, we see God create man, and he breathes life into him. He breathes life, he becomes a living being. And he's just saying, it's just mere breath that enters into a man and it disappears. And so the way that we need to live our lives is four ways. We need to live our lives with the understanding, not to live our lives in hiding, but to live our lives in full open, with no shame, with freedom that Christ gives us. We need to live our lives where we don't sacrifice wisdom for the sake of beauty and live our lives ensnared to a system that says otherwise. We need to live our lives free where we don't see 
um, people as tribes and different from us, where we see all men and women and children as equal and as of equal value, lest we become like the Egyptians and hold people down for our own benefit, and that we ultimately look at our lives and the way we see one another and realize that at the end of the day, don't cling on to everything you have like it's worth fighting for when it's just vapor. It's fleeting and it passes. So often we live lives under high pressure stress, high pressure fear, high pressure worry about something that is passing away. The good news is of God's ultimate wisdom that this is finite, that this is vapor, that this is passing away. But ultimately the gospel is that he will make all things new and not new like my trainers which were new and are now ripped to shreds and have holes in where I've trod on nails. But he will continually keep and sustain us and everything is new. He'll build a new heaven and a new earth. And that is the gospel that we look to. And if we hold on to that as being the eternal value we want to keep our lives built upon, then as we reach for that, instead of clinging on to vapor, we'll no longer be, live lives of hiding, orientated around beauty, and lives where we matter more than others. I'm going to pray for us, and then that will be it as we kind of finish this series. Father, I thank you for goodness. I thank you for your wisdom and not ours. May we live lives which have eternity in mind, have kingdom in mind, lives that don't hold on or try and keep hold of the vapor which is just fleeting and passing but allow these things to be what they are just mist just breath that's here one minute and gone the next may we live lives that are eternally focused may we live lives where beauty is not exchanged at the cost of real true wisdom which comes from you where we will not live lives which hold others down that we may flourish, but may we be people that help others to flourish because that is what you did. You created us and you wanted us to be creative. And may us, during the course of July, may you unleash creativity in all of our lives, Father. And may we cease having to hide like Adam and Eve did. May we come out as we are, knowing that you've already seen what we've done and that you receive us and that you bring restoration to us. In Jesus' name, amen.